Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Razzball Fantasy Hockey Podcast. This is Reed, joined by Viz again. Viz, it's Star Wars Day. You don't really care, but let's... How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, we were both on the football podcast the last night. That sh- that'll be up by the time you listen to this, so you should check that out, too, if you're still in the fantasy football playoffs. But uh, going well. I mean, Sabres are playing confident hockey, hockey four straight games, at least a point, which is nice to see. Yes. Still in the cellar, though. Wait, no, Arizona's in the cellar. Yeah, Arizona's buried, but, uh, you know, <laughs> the way things are going in Ottawa, it wouldn't shock me if the Sabres passed them sooner than later, although it's still a five-point gap. Uh, Florida getting on a nice little streak, kind of distanced themselves. But, yeah, it's Arizona, then Buffalo, then a big gap at this point is what it is. But been some good hockey going on around the league. Last night we saw Nashville look like the best team in the West. I would say that they are right now. Absolutely destroying Vancouver and in Dallas going into the, uh, against the Islanders and just rolling them too. And, you know, that was good to see that Dallas still has it in them, even though they hit some really weird lines last night. And Radulov got hurt. Uh, we don't have a severity on that one yet. I guess we could start with there for our injury rundown. Yep. Didn't come back. I mean, he played 14 minutes. He got hurt in the third period, and it sucks because they were, I think they were up 5 nothing when he got hurt. It might have been 5-1 to one at that point. Obviously, nothing you can do about it yet until you know how long he is. Unlike a couple other guys now uh, who are week to week that you should be able to put in your IR spot. I know that <clears throat> Big Buff is week to week with lower body injury. Uh, we talked last week about how I'd, I'd feel safe just dropping Truba. Or you, you brought it up, right? That yeah, he just hasn't been that good, but now... You have to you bring him. You have to add him. Yeah, you have. He's firmly in play. I think in anything deeper than a twelve or uh, Tyler Myers is in play because he's playing second unit, and and Josh Morris he's playing with Truba. I think he's really good. He's just not quite there for fantasy yet. Uh, I wouldn't mind him as a DFS option though, when in a good matchup because he's usually dirt cheap, and the minutes are there. He he has the ability. I wouldn't be surprised if he can give you some value if you're in like a 16-man league and you have hits and blocks and all that other stuff. It'll be interesting to see how the Jets do in the meantime. It all comes down to goaltending with them. We've known that all along. That's why we said they could finish as high as second in the division or finish sixth. Um, Mason's back. He was playing much better as the backup to Hellebuck. Hellebuck's been good almost all year, so... At the end, we can talk about teams who we, who we think will make the playoffs at this point in the year. So we can save that for then. Um, okay, so then we have Devin Dubnik up in Minnesota. When we were writing up our notes, uh, we had like a guideline to talk about. We said timetable unknown with a lower body injury. We actually do have a timetable. He is week to week, which is not helpful at all. No. Um, that is terrible news because Dubnik was – Definitely your number one goalie on your team and mm-hmm. fantasy. Hopefully you have good depth, I guess. This like, is, is going to kill a couple of my teams. So there's no way around yep. it. I mean, I already picked up Alex Daylock. You should just to take the chance on him. Uh, he hasn't been like a complete mess this year outside of one game. Like you look at his numbers in seven games. He's got a 907 save percentage, which sounds bad. And a 293 goals against, which sounds really bad. But he had one game in Winnipeg where he gave up seven goals, and they left him in there. Like, they didn't want to play Dubnik because he had played, like, four games in a row. So they had they were just, like, punting the game. They got down, like, three or four nothing early and just left Stalock in and said, screw it. So that's really dragging his numbers down. I mean, at this point, you're probably desperate enough that you have to grab him to see how things work out. I mean, they play at home against Toronto tonight. I don't actually like, hate the spot because Matthews is out and Toronto's been struggling a little bit. Uh, looking at the rest of their games, you know, coming up for the next week, they got Ed- Edmonton at home, at Chicago, and at Ottawa. I I actually feel okay playing them in all those games except at Chicago. And who knows? They called up. It wasn't Svedberg. They called up a different goalie than I expected. That I honestly had never heard of. I assume that's because they still want. Uh, Svedberg to be playing in the AHL to get the reps. So I'm uh, 
guessing uh, you have Steve McCulloch, and I have never heard of him, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's not a good thing. I, I assume that means Stalock is going to get the vast majority, if not all these starts, depending on how long Dubnik is. If they think it's only going to be like two weeks, they might just run Stalock into the ground in the meantime and give McCulloch one start max. Or you could see potentially the Wild trading for a goalie if it's going to be a month or more. So, you know, Stalock, I mean, there's no way around it. He's available everywhere. And at this point, just grab him and cross your fingers, really. Um, let's see what else. Uh, we touched on a little bit. Austin Matthews out again. This will be his third straight game that he misses. Mm-hmm. And he's missed some time before this stretch of, like, being out as well with this, I think it's the same injury. Oh, no, he's, he's upper body now, I didn't realize. But, yeah, he missed four games before. Uh, you know, it sounded like it was a game-time decision against Edmonton, which was the first game he missed on the 10th. And here we are again, and they already ruled him out a day ahead of time now. I mean, this is um it's, it's to me that's but that's not a good sign. That is the thing is he didn't look that great before uh, they sideline or you know, before he was out, and I don't know if it was because he was playing through it or what. Like the three games before, he was playing twenty minutes, but he had six shots combined in those games, no points. Uh, just kind of seemed you know. I, I watched that Calgary game, which is the second last game he played, and we talked about it last week. He just didn't look normal. He's at a point per game on the season, plus minus machine, three sh- over three shots like usual. Only two minutes, but whatever. That's not what he drafted him for. Like, the value's been there on a per game basis. Just need to get him back in the lineup. And with Marner and Nylander struggling, although Marner's starting to get going again, Toronto's lineup isn't as you know, scary going in- against Intimidating. Them. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what we talked about, you know, with the possibility of maybe playing Stalock still. The good news for them is the division is so bad that, you know, it's – I don't want to say they have, like, second place in the division wrapped up already because Boston's seven points behind, but they actually have four games in hand. But, I mean, it would take a lot for Toronto not to end up getting second in the division, which is the dream spot as we – I think – um it's one of those where, I, like, you sort of have to read the tea leaves on hockey injuries. Hockey injuries are very weird. It's a it's a culture where um, we joked around about it um, for years when Lindy Ruff, as a Buffalo head coach, would say that somebody has an upper body injury, and the telltale was like, it would be like, okay, well, he's got something wrong with his ankle, or he's got a lower body injury. It's like, yeah, actually, his hand's pretty mangled right now, where... They do, it's almost like you have to accept, like, assume the opposite or assume that if they're saying it's not bad, then it's probably not good, like, not very good at all. And when they say that he's uh, a game-time decision and then still misses the next three games, and now he's being ruled out beforehand, this tells me that the severity of the injury, they must know something that hasn't been leaked out yet, but I, like, we talked about it going into the season. We talked about how Toronto last year didn't suffer, like, a injury at all right. to any of their core players. And now it almost felt like, all right, well, it's just a numbers game. Like, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of who does it happen to. And it just so happens that... It went to the also, worst guy. <laughs> yeah, it went to the worst guy that could possibly happen to. So, I guess, like, yeah, Toronto hasn't looked very good, but they've still been getting points, and that's what you want when your star is hurt. For sure. Like, you, you want to still be accumulating points, whether it's a shootout loss or an overtime loss or a, or really, like, ugly win. You still need to do that even when Matthews isn't there. And then when he comes back and he's healthy, then you can get your pretty 5-1 to one wins where he has, like, three points at mm-hmm. a night. And we can't pick him for the three-point challenge because he's in the top ten in scoring. Hmm. Although that's not the case right now. But you get what I'm saying, though. Like, 
it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for Toronto. How long is Austin Matthews actually out? Because right now the timetable is we don't have a clue. Right. And they're not giving us any indication whatsoever. Which, it, to me, that says, uh, don't hold your breath for Austin Matthews coming back within like a week. Uh, I think he's looking at at least three more games being out. I mean, I, I I would just be guessing. I mean, the only good thing for them is, I mean, they play, I, I'd put it at two games just because looking at their schedule, they got a back-to-back today and Friday, and then they don't play again <laughs> until Tuesday next week. So, I mean, that wouldn't completely rule them out for Tuesday. That's an extra five days from when we're recording this. Then they have a back-to-back then, too, so maybe they hold them out for the first one, get them against Columbus. I don't know, but... And obviously, it's a bit frustrating because when he's day to day, you can't IR him. You know, he's just sitting on your bench, and obviously, you can't even consider cutting him. So, it, hopefully, we get a better idea. Like you talked about with Roth in the past, I used to think it, if you hear a guy is out and you don't really hear anything about him, and they call an upper body, I just thought he had a concussion, and they wouldn't say they didn't want people to know that he had it. But now, with the, you know, the concussion protocol and everything, you could never get away with anything like that. Yeah, it's just a tangent, I guess. Uh, moving on to Taylor Hall and the Devils in general. Hall hurt his knee. Looked kind of bad, actually. John Hines just said in his press conference yesterday, like, thank God he didn't hurt any – no real damage to the knee, ligament-wise. But he didn't take a trip to Montreal, so he's out. And Paul Mary is very close. I mean, they, they need Paul Mary a decent amount, actually, because the depth – like it's fine, but he's he's a bona fide top six player. There's no doubt about it. Depending on how they want to slot him in, it can give them another solid option. I mean, he proved that he wasn't a fluke. You know, they got him from Anaheim, and he comes out of nowhere and, and scores thirty goals. You know, he was the the waiver wire pickup of the year two years ago, and you weren't sure how he was going to bounce back. He ends up getting, you know, again, 26 and 27 assists last year. Solid penalty minutes, solid shot, like just good across the board. <clears throat> it could always use a guy with his stability, and he started off the year well, too. I mean, 9, nine, nine and 13 games, over three shots, uh, very good penalty minutes, five power play points. Just like a very solid player who is a pretty clear hold once he gets back in the lineup. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree. They, I think Kyle Plummer is way more important than people are led to believe for that Devils offense. And they eat it now too. I mean, they're just the division is so big of a cluster that every guy matters. Um. All right, Anaheim. Uh, finally getting a little bit healthy, and then Corey Perry is now week to week with a knee injury. And, Good God. And apparently I uh, just saw uh, Hampus Lindholm is on IR now, too. Oh, my God. This team's just taken s- such a beating. Just, I almost want to say right off the year, get, like, somehow win the lottery, get Rasmus Dahlin, and then just, like, mm-hmm. go back and, do, like, dominate next year. But their core is old. Right. Like, their forward group is old. That's that's not really going to work. Yeah. Like that trade with, like I can't even tell now whether that trade with New Jersey really benefits them because they needed the forward depth, but right. So yeah, they so, kind of needed Perry. Right, and we'll we'll talk about them at the end because they're firmly in the playoff picture still. Yeah, I mean Lindholm hasn't played the last four games, and you know, he's going to go on the road trip to St. Louis, which starts today, and it's a six-game road trip, so. I mean, he can play anywhere from now to Christmas. We don't really know. Same goes with Kessler, which will obviously help. I mean, Lindholm was a fringe fantasy guy anyway. There is maybe a shot that he would be better once uh, Botanin got shipped out, but we never really got much of a chance to see. Uh, Kessler, obviously, is must own when he gets off the IR. Um, Flurry uh, came back for yep. Vegas. Look very good. Stole the point against Carolina. They end up losing in a shootout. Yeah, like 35 saves on 37 shots, I think. Obviously, getting back in your lineup, 
the plan for the year was for him to be a workhorse. Uh, maybe because of how well Subban played, he ends up getting, you know, 30% of the starts or so. That wouldn't surprise me. But either way, I, I mean, Subban would just be a streamer, and you have to own Flurry in every league at this point, just with how well Vegas has played. Yeah, I agree. Um, Ryan Johansson for Nashville came back, and honestly, I don't even know if they needed him. They just steamrolled Vancouver last night. That was mm-hmm. ugly. Um, P.K. Subban looked really good again. It's amazing. They scored seven goals, and no one on the team had more than two points. Yeah. Like, normally when a team scores seven, there's some there's somebody on the team with, like, three or four. Nope. I, nope. No one with more than two. And I'm like, okay. Although, I'm just going to bring this up. The P.K. Subban stat line. If you're a fantasy owner, I don't think you could actually ask for a better stat line. If you're in a nine or ten category league. Mm. Let's just roll this out, all right? He's got two goals, zero says. He's a plus two, 12 penalty minutes, four shots on goal, one hit, two blocks. Literally, he hit every almost every single category for you if you're in a deeper league or you're in a league with a lot with a lot of those um non uh like infrequent categories mm-hmm. he hit everything for you yeah it's great like, trochek said a few of those lately too well, yeah like he had one i think the last game in chicago he had an assist two penalty minutes seven shots five hits three blocks 11 faceoffs just like he, he's a guy, he's a top 50 player in every format right now. I mean, he's just absolutely killing it. Over a point per game, well over three shots a game. Pally minutes are there, too. He's another guy, and I was going to bring him up later when we look at Thursday's games quick when they play Colorado tonight. He's just been dominant, and he still goes extremely under own in DFS. In the big DFS tournament that I was in on Tuesday, Trocheck was only like 2% owned and just blows my mind at this point how he keeps going under the radar. Camp Talbot's supposed to be back within days. We don't know how he's going to look. He was dreadful before. And the tough thing is Laurent Francois has actually played really well for Edmonton in the last week. So, obviously, get Talbot off your IR. I wouldn't feel that great about him, though. I'd probably wait to see, wouldn't start him his first game, see how he looks and go from there. It's hard to have any faith in him the way that Edmonton was playing and he was playing before he got injured. Any thoughts on Talbot? Um, I think Edmonton's going to do that storm back that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, At least the offense is, and by offense I mean at least Connor McDavid is, I still have doubts about this team, and Talbot wasn't playing good before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, he's fine as a lower-end number two at this point. Like, he's going to get you your your starts, and in turn, like, eventually he should get you some wins that you'll need, but I think he's still going to hurt you in, like, goals against average and save percentage. Like, he just hasn't looked good this year. Mm -hmm. And the defense, like, yeah, Andre Sequeira is going to help, but is he going to help by that much? I I, I don't know. I have my doubts about that. Yeah, cleft bomb falling off. Yeah, that was big for them. Them, Unless Darnell Nurse turns into, like, the next Alex Petrangelo, like, their defense isn't that good, and I I don't know what their pipeline is, but I don't even think that's very strong either. No, not particularly. And they spent so many of these first round picks on forwards, and yeah, it's <laughs> I mean, in some regards, it almost be better for them to be bad, and if they get lucky, get down or potentially Boquist, but I mean, that's not going to happen as long as McDavid doesn't get hurt. He's going to keep them relevant and keep them probably on the fringes of the playoff picture at least just because I think like Colorado and Vancouver are, are probably going to fall behind them at least that might be it in the West but it will be enough teams worse than them that it won't get them high enough in the lottery drawing I don't think um, St. Louis 
taking a beating to Jaden Schwartz out, or he will be evaluated in six weeks uh, for an ankle injury. Uh, and obviously, get him on IR. He was amazing to start the year. They've switched up the lines a bit. Saboka and Stastny are with Tarasenko now. Shen is with Steen. And I think Dimitri Yaskin. Uh, I would still hold Steen, Schwartz, or not, well, Schwartz on IR. Steen, Stastny, Shen, and Tarasenko. Stream, Sabatka. And, and that's about it for their forwards. I, I don't really like any of their other guys' options. Uh, maybe I agree. Ber- maybe Berglund in a, in a good matchup to stream, but that's it. And Petrangelo went on IR with a foot injury. It's Pareko and Evanson getting massive minutes now. I mean, I would own Pareko everywhere. You probably were anyway. I think if you have the extra categories in a 12-er, I would consider Evanson anything deeper. I definitely would. I also think he's a great DFS option right now because his price is dirt cheap, and he's piling up the blocks and the shots. So you'll get a really good game from him, even if you can stumble into an assist. Pareko and Evanson, especially if you like do the head-to-heads or the double-ups, I think both of those guys, even taking them together, I think is a really good idea because their floor is so high right now, and you're not going to have to pay up to get them. They're good for five to six shots and blocks combined each a game. So just something to consider there. And in former blue, T.J. Oshie is still out tonight, but sounds like he's going to practice on Friday and be back sooner than later. Washington needs him, honestly. You know, they're up to second in their division. They are on a hot stretch, but it's just their roster just looks thin when you look at their lines when they don't have Oshie in there. Alex Jason's playing with Kuznetsov. That just shouldn't happen. Should never happen. You know, so you you have a solid top top nine when you have Oshie back. Uh, the way that Connolly's been playing, at least on the power play, he's been taking Oshie's spot on the first power play and doing well. You go from having a solid top nine with elite talent, too, to just a guy short, or even feels like two guys short almost. Veron is good as the third guy, but he's not as good as the second guy on that Kuznetsov line, etc. It's just snowball effect. So hopefully they get him back sooner than sooner than later. Yeah, um, I guess big things. I think that's it for the injury front. If I'm yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about I guess big picture things right now. Um, is it surprising to you at all that Chicago right now is sitting outside of the playoffs? I mean, not really. To be honest, I mean, you, their goal difference is great. Like, there are signs that it should be better, but I mean, offensively, it's just. Not really that good. Corey Crawford is the main reason they're even in this spot. His his numbers are absolutely phenomenal on the season. He's the number two goalie on the player radar right now because he has that two twenty goals against nine thirty three save percentage. He's just a beast. And you look at the scoring. You know they're not getting you know the hundred point season from Patty Kane type of stuff. He's right at a point per game right now. And, you know, DeBrincat has emerged, which is nice. But, I mean, he's second in the team in points. He's added Taves. And once you get past Taves, uh, and Isimov and Saad are tied for fourth in the team with 17 points. And in Smaltz, too, like, 17 points. That's not even a 50-point pace. They have three guys on pace to get over 50 points. And it's dreadful. They don't have any of the scoring depth. The blue line... I mean, Forsling's emergence has helped. But, I mean, Seabrook is basically a corpse back there. They're playing Cody Franz in bigger minutes. Like, it's – there's a lot of just very obvious weaknesses on this team. And we're to the point where, you know, Kane and Taves are approaching the end of their prime. They're both about to be 30 years old. Same with Anisimov. Heath is 34. We're kind of seeing their window close. Crawford's 33. Oh, it's a little different with goalies. Like, I'm – I'm honestly not surprised. I mean, I picked them to finish fifth in the division, and it's the right teams out of them with the addition of Winnipeg, who we said was super high variance. So I, I, I'm not surprised at all, really. 
Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I'm not surprised that they're here. I think, well, for one, I'm surprised Calgary is also on the outside looking in, but I think they could just get hot at any moment. Yeah, the bottom uh, six, like for a lot of the year, has been pretty bad. Jankowski calling up, and, and I'm not trying to get suckered into Sam Bennett again, but the last five games, he's looked really good. So that will obviously help a ton. Brody hasn't been as good in Harmonic yet either. I, I feel at least with Harmonic, it's going to be better. They, they've been loaded. Like, they just keep getting in overtime. Again, they played uh, the Wild the other day. Could have scored about five times in overtime. Just couldn't find a way to score. Lost a shootout to Toronto last week. They had, oh, God, it was like 48 shots on goal, 49 shots on goal in that game. Like, easily should have won beat Vancouver, like, they're playing fine. You just assume, you hope, at least, that they're going to string some games together. And, you know, depending on how long Dubnik is out, this might have, you know, hurt them, hurt the Wild quite a bit, which is their top competition right now for a wild card spot. You know, this is, they got a tough schedule coming up before the five-hour home Calgary. They got the Sharks tonight. They got Nashville Saturday. Got a back-to-back, but it's at Vancouver on Sunday. And they have St. Louis and Montreal at home next week. And after that Montreal game is the 22nd. They don't play again until the 28th. So they have a lot of time off. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Smith plays all five games in this stretch. Uh, this is a stretch they got to get at least probably seven points with four home games. I, I know the Sharks, Predators, and Blues are brutal teams. But even if you lose one of them, lose the other one in overtime, you, you got to beat Montreal and Vancouver, even you know where they're playing. I win one of those other games, and they're at that point they're probably back in. I mean the margins are so small right now. Um, you're seeing Vegas drop back slightly to the pack. I mean they're at 40 points, and these other teams are at 35. Uh, Sharks too are 35 points. Granted they have two games in hand, but it's just a massive bunch. And we'll talk about teams we think are locked for the playoffs. Uh, at the end, quick, and who we think would get in at this point. But the West, or both conferences for that matter, uh, not many locks and just a big mess towards the, the middle to the end of the playoff spots. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, we talked about it. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, do you have any like thoughts about this auto situation? It, it's just a complete mess right now. They're, I mean, they did win Wednesday, but they're in this huge downspin. It all started off with Carlson saying he's not going to take a team discount to stay there. Then there's this talk. They're asking all their players for the teams on their no-trade list just in case. Then they call this press conference yesterday where Dorian says, you know, we want to do everything we can to keep him, all that stuff. Someone asked him you know, the report was – or Kyle Turris said that you know, we wanted to get a deal done there, but it seemed like the owner said no. And Dorian said it, or said in the press conference, something along the lines of, I make the hockey decisions. And Kyle Turris's wife just responded to, I think it was Ian Mendez tweeted out the, the quote, just LOL. Um, they're in a total downspin. I mean, we obviously thought, or I thought that at least they weren't as good as that team last year, but I didn't expect them to fall off this much. And the problem is you, you look at that roster, and I watched them play the Sabres on Tuesday. And, I mean, the Sabres, that game wasn't even a sweat for them until right at the end because they scored a goal with 50 seconds left. Sabres absolutely dominated this team. And you look up and down this lineup, I mean, you're looking at, I don't know, conservatively seven, eight guys who just like aren't NHL players. At this point, like Tom, yep. Tom Pyatt, Burroughs is horrible now. Uh, Nick Paul, Nate Thompson, Johnny Oduya, just horrible. Phaneuf and Cece, just not good. Uh, they had Ben Harper up on the first pair. Then they sent him down to the HL the next day. Like, the team is just all over the place right now. A lot of dysfunction. And um, the thing is, I know they want to lock up Carlson. They should do whatever they can just – to get it done, but at what point do you have to seriously consider trading him if 
if you don't think there's if you think there's a good chance he's gonna leave, do you if you lose him, do you consider trading Hoffman to somebody? Do you consider trading most of the guys on this team and do a rebuild? Like I don't know what their plan is, but they're in a really tough spot. I mean, I think everyone is in play to be traded besides Shabbat, uh, Colin White, and then maybe Stone, Duchesne. I don't know which of the forwards are, but I assume they're going to keep some of them. I don't know. It's just they're a real interesting team. I mean, they get to overtime game seven to go to the cup last year, and now they're just a dumpster fire. Like, I picked them to finish, uh, I believe, fifth in the division or sixth. I know I had, I think, no, I was sixth. I think I had Detroit last and then Montreal seventh, actually. And the way Adam was playing right now, the goal difference is horrible. Like, nothing looks good. It doesn't look a fluke at all that they won two of their last ten games. Yeah. Um, they are, like, they are that uh, dumpster that's on fire. Jeff, mm-hmm. like, that. that's what they are. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to no, normally, and this is how it normally is, any team would lock up Eric Carlson like two years ago for whatever the max is. Mm-hmm. The problem is, it's. I think we're kind of like you can almost see it in another sport right now, and everyone in the national talk for sports is the Marlins in baseball have no money and they're literally trading away anybody that makes any f- so, like form of salary because the ownership literally cannot afford to pay those players. The problem here is Otto's ownership was never a we're going to spend to the cap. We have the ability to spend to the cap team. I think that actually does play a little bit of a factor here. And it means that they have to be smarter with how they sign contracts, with how they structure their roster. The problem is that Eric Carlson is the guy you actually would be willing to go and spend the right. uh, $12 million a year on. Like That's the kind of guy you would spend that money on. And then you know what? Maybe you don't give Alex Burroughs, what did he get, like four years? Yeah. He's get, or something he's fucking two, stupid? Two and a half million for the next two years. I mean, that's the problem, too. They have all these contracts that are, like, bad. And, you know, they cost real money, too. Like, Bobby Ryan's getting seven and a quarter for the next four years after this one. Uh, I mean, just in terms of expensive guys, I mean, obviously Hoffman's fine, but over $5 million. Brassard is $5 million. Duchesne is $5 million. Uh, Stone is 3 and a half, but he's an RFA, and he's going to have to get paid big time. You know, lock up Zach Smith for 3 and a quarter. Burroughs is 2 and a half. Peugeot is 3.1. Phaneuf is 7. See, Phaneuf's, wait, when does Phaneuf's contract come He's still on? got three more years. Holy shit. CC like, is uh, 2.8, and he's an RFA. Like, that's a ridiculous overpay, but they apparently still think he's good because he plays big minutes. Uh, you know, Condon is the backup goalie getting two point four million. It just it adds up everywhere. You know, Duchesne the hit is smaller this year because they didn't have him on here, but uh, six million next year, and to have like the wrong guys locked up for more than you know. If you look at who's a free agent between now or at the end of the next year, I mean, at the end of next year, almost their entire bottom six plus Brassard and Duchesne and Carlson are all UFAs. Like this team is just in no man's land. You could see them absolutely gut the roster at this trade deadline in next offseason, something. Like, I don't know what they're going to do, but, I mean, you're stuck with Phaneuf and Robbie Ryan eating up over $14 million in cap space for three years after this one. It's just a horrible spot to be in. Yeah, I I agree. Um, they they are a problem. They are Jesus. Yeah, like, it's it's nice, you know. You have Carlson, but if you, if you don't, I mean, where does this team even go? I mean, they've been they've been historically bad with him off the ice in the past. I mean, it's nice you have Shabbat, 
in, in Colin White are nice pieces, and you're, whoever you're going to draft this year, like, they have a decent farm system, but, I mean, you're losing the best defenseman in the league, and he's yeah. in his prime, too. I mean, you're just you're done. There, there's no way around it. Right. I think, like, we talk about how Ottawa traded Robin Leonard. We talk about how Ottawa traded away Ben Bishop. And then they settled with Craig Anderson and Andrew Hammond. It was one of those, as the trades were going, as they did the Ben Bishop deal, I was like, okay, that seems like a really bad deal for Ottawa, but let's see how it plays out. And it ended up being like, Ottawa got nothing out of that. They got Corey Conacher for like two months, and then they sent him down to the minors or some shit. Then you get, um, then they trade away Robin Leonard, and it's like, Okay, how many young goalies does Ottawa actually have? Because eventually you're going to have to have a young goalie like play there, right? right? Like unless they plan on signing a free agent. And what do we all know about free agent contracts? Ninety nine percent of all contracts signed in uh, unrestricted free agency end up looking really bad in three years. They all look overpriced. They all become complete salary cap burdens. Looking at you, Buffalo. Looking at you, Edmonton, like that's what happens when teams do this is when they sign these free agents to like six year terms, it really hurts them. It hurts them a lot. Um, I think when Toronto traded Fanuf to Ottawa, I it felt like a it was like the best thing that could have happened to Toronto because now they have cap flexibility. Yeah, like Fanuf. I mean, they basically got him for free, which is, I mean, it's one of those things where you almost should have had Toronto give up an asset to get him because it's so bad. Just as a dump, almost seven million is four million too much. Like Fenoff's just not good anymore. I mean, the later when at least they got a first round pick. The thing was, he was twenty three years old, and you just had no plan. You know, you, right, like if you don't have the playoffs enough. because Hammond had that stupid run, and everyone knew it was a complete fluke because his numbers in the AHL were horrible and just. It went with it anyway. It's poor planning. You know, Craig Anderson, we can't be surprised that he's fallen off. One, it was probably inevitable anyway because the defense in front of them or in front of him is so bad. But on the other hand, too, like he's thirty six years old too. Like, it's it's gonna happen. He's had seasons like this before. His save percentage just goes up and down all over the place depending on the year. So <laughs> man, I I hate to say, like, they're in the worst shape of any team in the league. I, like, wouldn't quite go that far yet. But if they end up having to get rid of Carlson, I think that would be the case. Because yeah. these other teams have, almost every other team has some legitimate building blocks built around. And Ottawa's are two rookies in Shabbat and White. And White's been out all year, too. He hasn't really played. So everyone else has something, at least. I mean, I guess you could say Detroit – doesn't have, like, the super elite talent, but you don't know, like, Manta is looking great. Special cost coming. Larkin looks much better than last year. Like, there's some signs there. All these other teams are either good now or they have the elite pieces. Like, Florida's got the big parts. You know, they got Barkoff and Trocek down the middle. It's just filling out around them. Sabres have Eichel. It's, it's a great start. All these other bad teams... They have these to McDavid, obviously. Ottawa's just stuck in Colorado with McKinnon, Arizona with Keller. They have this stud guy who's, you know, in their low 20s, and Ottawa's just stuck in no man's land, really. Yeah, it comes down to whether you think Shabbat and White are those young pieces. And Shabbat might be. be, Yeah. Might be, but that's less of a certainty than Eichel, McDavid, Keller. Yeah. Um, McKinnon. McKinnon. So, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, you can't let him leave free. So, you know, <laughs> maybe it's something that gets done in the offseason. They try to get a get a deal done with him all, all summer up into the draft. And maybe at the draft he comes in play, actually. I don't, I don't know. But they're a team definitely to monitor because they couldn't blow it up. You don't really see too many teams blow up in hockey. Maybe one a year. I don't know. It's they're a very interesting team, even though they're horrible right now because of all the chaos around them. And what are they going to do? I don't know. 
Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see, I think. Um, let's see. Edmonton is streaking right now. Um, the Kings are on fire again. They're 8-1-1 in their last 10. The Nashville, 7-1-2 in their last 10. Are those the top two teams right now in the West? I, I, mean, I think Nashville's honestly number one and kind of easy. They're just crushing. Um, at the moment, I guess I'd say so, just because the Blues lost Schwartz and Petrangelo. I mean, we'll, we can talk about the West now. I mean, how many teams right now do you think are locks for the playoffs? I would say those three teams, and honestly, that might be it. Because like, I could see Winnipeg or Vegas potentially falling off. It's not impossible. Uh, no one else is far enough ahead to call them a lock at this point. I think it's only those three teams that are locks. Are there, there is anyone else for you? I actually think Winnipeg for me is a lock to make the playoffs. Okay. Um, they are eleven two and one at home. First of all, that is really good. Um, you look at the team uh, like Nashville, Saint, uh, not not so much St. Louis. They're eleven and six at home, which is still very good. But six losses, okay. Nashville eleven two and two at home. Winnipeg eleven two and one at home. Like they are bodying people at home, and that's sort of what you have to do. And then you just tread around fake five hundred on the road. Mm-hmm. You're a playoff team then. Like oh, that's sure. how you, that's how you get in the playoffs. And I'm like, you look around. I do think Vegas is going to fall off. I think St. Louis is going to. They've built enough of a cushion to withstand the uh, Petrangelo and Schwartz injury sure. potentially. I, I think they're good enough. And then what? Eventually, when they get help, say they don't get fully healthy till like. I don't know, end of January. Well, guess what? They'll still be right there, and then they'll pick right back up, and I think they'll be great, and they'll get in the playoffs. So I think they're a lock. Nashville, in my opinion, is the best team in the West. They're a lock. I think Winnipeg, with all the the advanced stats and all the analytics, dude, they are legit right now. They are playing great hockey. They score like none other. Shifley and Wheeler are dominating. And Patrick Laine isn't even having the best season either. No, which he's, tells, starting, like, he's starting to get going a little bit. But. Right, which tells you, like, they don't even need him to dominate. Yeah. They don't even need him playing great to dominate. I mean, but it, it just really imagine comes, when he does get going. It really just comes down to whether Halibut is this good or not to me. I mean, you look at the West and you see all these teams are really dominating at home. You know, you look at the top. Nine teams in the conference uh, going well. If you put Chicago ahead of Calgary, they're all nine and five or better. So I mean, that's obviously huge. Um, I mean, I would pick Winnipeg to still make it for sure. I just I don't know if I want to call them a lock yet. Uh, I would say right now my guess would be that the Blues, Predators, Jets, and Dallas all make it through from that division. Uh, in the Pacific, LA is a decent lead. I, I still think it's their division. They're just so solid defensively. Kopitar at the MVP level. Um, after that, I don't know. I, I, I'm in on the Sharks a decent amount. I think they're a playoff team because they've transformed themselves into a very good defensive team. Yes. Um, so that leaves one more Pacific team. I, I do think Calgary is going to get going and get in. And then the last spot that leaves Vegas, Chicago, Minnesota, Anaheim. And I don't, I don't know. I would have said Minnesota, but if this Dubnik injury has any has any long term effects, I think they'd be in trouble. Uh, Anaheim's the same thing. Like they can't just get healthy. You need these teams to just get healthy, and that would be enough. That's the the other worry. Uh, if I was a Blackhawks fan, is that. They haven't really taken a serious injury to this point. Crawford missed, what, like three games? But it hasn't been anything brutal. You look at the top guys on their team, and they've played 31 games. Kane, Debrinkat, Taves, and Issamal Saad have all played 31 games. Panics played 30. Keith played 31. Like Everyone is staying healthy on this team, and they're still only this good. Like we talked about with uh, – with Toronto last year, it's inevitable to happen. Whether they can fade it the whole year, I don't know. But obviously, I've bet against it. So, I'll say the Ducks can get in right now in the last spot that they get hot enough. But 
I don't feel good about it. I mean, Vegas does still have a decent cushion. I mean, they're up five points with a game in hand on these teams. So they're firmly in play, too. It's, I don't know, I'm still having a tough time buying it, but they, you know, their home ice is incredible right now. Yeah, and they have played two more games on the road than they have at home. Mm-hmm. Like, they're... Okay, so I guess let's do it the easier way. Which teams are you just eliminating? Like, what teams do you think have no shot? Arizona, obviously. I think it's just Arizona, Colorado, Vancouver. I'm not going to completely kill off Edmonton. But, I mean, I think their chance is like 10% maybe. Yeah, they're, they're down seven points. Right. Uh, I mean, they, they're, out, they're seven points out. Like, I mean, they're the clear. Yeah, they don't have games in hand. Like, they've yeah. played more games. They're the, they're the clear 12th team to me, but you never know. I'm not putting it past them getting on some crazy heater. Yeah, I think, I think for, uh, like, the listeners – Mainly, and you can see it in other sports as well. It's not so much how many points behind are you from another from like a playoff spot. It's how many teams do you have to jump right. to get to that playoff spot. Is almost a better indicator of what the likelihood is because, yeah, you can get points, but those other teams are going to get points too. And if they're already ahead of you, it becomes that much more difficult to get in. Like. And seven points is a lot. And there are one, two, three, four, five, six teams ahead of them before they even get to the guy that's in the playoff spot. So seven teams they'd have to jump. That's a lot. That, yeah, it's, it's that, is, a, that is a ton. I mean, they have to play at, at the point pace they last year, over 100 points to, to have a shot. They play at that pace the rest of the way. I mean, it's tough. I mean the, good, the good thing for Anaheim too is you know they're really thirteen and eight or thirteen and eighteen, but eight of those losses are an overtime or a shootout. You think maybe they'll get better at those? I don't know, but uh, the bonus point is helping them in Chicago quite a bit. Chicago's another team, fifteen, eleven, and five, and it's it's all overtime losses really. They're, they've only had one shootout, which they lost. So it's it's bunched things up quite a bit uh, in the East. I would say Columbus, Washington, Tampa, and Toronto are locks. Uh, thoughts on that, or would you add anyone no. else? No, no, I I can agree with that. I'm not ready to call New Jersey a lock yet. No, because me either. I, I don't. I still don't think they're. Gonna, I still don't think they're going to make it. But uh, again, it wouldn't shock me. I would honestly. I would guess Pittsburgh slides in to that spot, and then. I mean, whether they're a wild card, they just they get in the playoffs, and I think the and I think the East is actually right. Um, the drop, uh, I know Philly's been playing well. They won a forty and one streak, but the drop from Philly to Carolina, or Philly and Carolina, to you know the Pittsburgh or the Rangers, I think is somewhat um, sizable. I mean, I won't put it past Carolina, just their possession numbers are as good as they are, as anybody's in the league, but at the same time, their goaltending has been so bad that it's keeping them down. Uh, Boston's got on this hot streak to distance themselves. You know, they're three or four points up by Montreal, who's fourth in the division, and they have three games in hand. Like I, I think we could see these three teams in the Atlantic clinched by mid-March, even you know all three teams, really. So I don't think that's much of a race at all. It's whether... One of these other teams below the Rangers can get in there, but I, I don't know. I, I'm hesitant to, to buy in on Carolina, and I, I don't know. I just have more faith in the Rangers and the Devils, or Rangers and the Islanders and the Devils right now. Who knows? Oh, I, I don't feel great about it, but I would say it's like – I think it's really a nine-team race for eight, eight spots. I don't – I don't think Carolina has much of a chance or uh, Philadelphia at this point. Maybe I'm wrong, but their goal difference are negative, especially Carolina's. Uh, Montreal's in the same boat as Carolina and Philly, too. I just I don't I don't see it with these teams. I don't think it's as jumbled. Like, there's a legit 11 teams in the West that are firmly in play for the playoffs, and then a 12th in Edmonton on the fringe. Here, to me, it's like nine teams firmly in play and then three on the fringe. Yeah, I think Carolina's interesting because they went out and they traded for Scott Darling, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like it's working out that much. No. Um, 
like if I'm Carolina, do I try and go out and get another goalie? I mean, you can. Because, like, okay, so your possession numbers are, like, I think they're almost at the top of the league. Well, you're dumping Ward. I mean, Darling, you signed him to a four-year deal. He's not right. going anywhere. Right. If I'm sitting there, like, here's the thing about Carolina. I think they are a really talented team. It is just the goaltending. Like, I, I think we can agree, like, if they have good goaltending, that team probably pushes out the Islanders or the Rangers. Somebody, that, that, the Devils, somebody, yeah. That that team is that's a that's a playoff team. I mean, the other thing too. I mean, they're not scoring a lot of goals either. They have eighty three goals. You look at all these teams in the playoffs besides you know Columbus, but they're in their own case. But Washington's already at a hundred. Tampa one thirteen, Toronto one oh eight, Islanders hundred ten, Rangers one oh one, they're just scoring more goals in Carolina too. Like they're a great possession team, but some of their shots are just like completely hopeless shots too, like almost like padding their, their totals to make them look a little better than they are. Uh, the depth has like none of these guys besides Terravine and have taken another step either, and that's part of the problem. Along with Falk. Uh, just being bad and and Slavin regressing a bit too, so I I don't think it's only goaltending, but I do think it is the biggest thing. I mean, Darling's at a nine hundred save percentage and over a lot of starts too. It's just been bad. Uh, they're they have more problems than just that. I think I picked up a finish out of Philly, but I don't as much as I like them in the preseason, I think the pieces are there. They're just not playing well enough right now, I think, to be at least seriously considered with these other nine teams ahead of them, I think. But I can see the argument for it, too. Yeah, it'll be... I'm interested to see... Like, we were both really high on the Carolina train. Mm -hmm. I still... Like, I'm still excited for this team. I just am a little bit disappointed that it's not all coming together this year like I thought it would. I agree. I mean, I, part of the problem is, too, like, they just don't have this superstar that night in, night out is going to give them a great game, like Taylor Hall kind of thing. You, know, you look at Terravine and Skinner, oh, I mean, they're, they're playing – I don't know, Terravine's at about a 60-point pace. The other guys are, like, in the 50s. No one else is, is going to push 50 points even except, like, maybe Justin Williams. It's, I don't know, it's just not that good. Like, Victor Rask is, is an on pace for, he's, really, he's on pace for, like, 25 points. Victor Rask has to be one of the biggest disappointments for me this year. Like, just completely falling off a cliff. Yeah, I mean, Justin Falk, too. I mean, it's one goal. He's got seven points. He's just been bad. Yeah. Um, it comes down. Okay, so if you're Carolina, what what kind of trade are you looking to make? Are you looking to make a trade? I mean, whatever I can, I mean, whatever I can get. I mean, they have the pieces to try to get a, a, a star uh, offensive player. I mean, if they could, if they could get, you know, if Otto decides they want to trade a Hoffman, if they want to try to get a Vander Kane as a runoff, the Sabers can't sign him. There you go. I mean, That's the one I was thinking. Yeah, like, there's there's a lot of options in play for this team. And I assume they're going to be willing to go for it because I mean they haven't made the playoffs in a while, and what better? Team and they just now? Sold, I mean, and their team just sold to a new owner. Right. I mean, all their guys are pretty prime too, uh, outside of Jordan Stahl and, and Williams, obviously. But everyone else is in their low twenties, so you're not really hurting anything either by you know trading some guys in the system or one of the defensemen to try to make a, a big upgrade. I mean, even Skinner's 25 years old. We forget it because he's been in the league for like seven years now, but he's still young too. So they're still very well positioned. I just think it, it, unless they make a bigger move or Darling finally gets it together, I, just, I don't think there's quite enough here right now in terms of offensive uh, output. It's not, like, it's not like they can be like the Islanders and just <laughs> outscore everybody. Like the Islanders right now, they have 110 goals in 31 games. I mean, that's insane. They've given up 105, but they've found a way to win. You know, they're 9-2-2 two two at home. 
so the schedule is actually going to be in their favor in terms of more home games, and they're just scoring a ton of goals. Carolina's going to seem solid you know, defensively. They don't give up a lot of goals, even though the goaltending is bad. But, you know, in terms of goals, uh, teams that are worse than them, I mean, Boston, but they have games in hand. Buffalo, uh, San Jose, but they have games in hand. And Arizona, I mean, that's it. So they're, they have a day they're not really scoring enough goals either. Yeah. I still think an Evander Kane trade would probably do them really well. Look, if you're Carolina, are you giving up Hayden Flurry? I was going to say, I don't know where you start, but I mean, you look at what? Like Andrew Ladd won as a rental. He was a first round pick. And Marco Dano, who hasn't panned out, uh, I was a big fan. So I, I, I'm still not completely giving up on hope, hope on him. But that's kind of the normal for these rental guys a uh, first round pick and a good prospect, and the, obviously the Sabres would argue that Kane is much better than Ladd or any other winger who's been going at this point, so you might be looking at a first-round pick and Hayden Fleury type or one of their other prospects. I, I mean, I think you have to consider it. You have Slavin, you have Pessy, uh, if Falk can get it together. You know, uh, Dan Reeves like, hasn't looked that bad, actually. They could stomach it for sure. I think I think they have to consider everything, honestly. Yeah, and I Hannafin, agree. Hannafin, too. Hannafin's actually been much better this year. Uh, I can tell you already, he'll probably be a sleeper of mine uh, for next year. Yes. I, I've, seen this, I've seen enough from him. He's playing at almost a 40-point pace now. Uh, he's only playing 18 minutes a game, too. I think that number is going to start to creep up as the season goes on. And by next year, I think he'll be playing first pair of minutes. Um, so let's let's do a three-point challenge quick. If I get another two-point guy, I'm going to be furious. Happy. <laughs> There's a massive slate of games uh, tonight. I'll bring up the top ten in points quick. Um, as far as games go, uh, Washington, Boston, I wouldn't touch. Uh, Buffalo, Philly, I wouldn't touch either. I think that's actually going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, Columbus and the Islanders, two teams that play the exact opposite, who can force their will on each other. Uh, Montreal, New Jersey, I won't be watching a minute into that one, I don't think. <laughs> Chicago, <laughs> Tell me how you really feel about New Jersey at Montreal. Chicago, Winnipeg is definitely a game I'll watch. Uh, Winnipeg's at home. Uh, Blues, Ducks, two teams just beat up badly right now. Uh, Minnesota is a minus-120 favorite against Toronto, which is more reason, I think, to consider playing Staylock. Um, Calgary-San Jose is another game I don't think will be too exciting, actually. The Sharks have been playing very solid defensive hockey. And the top guy, you know, Burns is starting to get rolling, but Belsky still really isn't. They're not the most uh, exciting team to watch right now. Low-key, great game of the night. Florida-Colorado, I, I, I can could, I could see that game getting over 10 goals in it, honestly. Both these teams are complete mess defensively, but scoring a ton of goals right now. Um, really surprising, Nashville's an underdog at Edmonton tonight. I cannot I, believe I, that. I know Nashville played last night, but it was a really easy win. Even if Saros plays, I, I don't think it matters. Uh, Tampa Bay Arizona, good luck in Arizona. And Pittsburgh-Vegas should be a very exciting game the last the late game of the night. So, Hey, man, that game is in Arizona. Don't don't ever – actually, yeah, you can count them out in on that one. <laughs> Watch, Arizona's going to win like 5 nothing. Yeah, probably. Just casual. Uh, so um, top, well, top 12 guys, actually, although Schwartz is one of them, and he's hurt. Uh, Kucherov, Stamkos, McDavid, Kopitar, Boudreaux, Wheeler, Shen, Kessel, Voracek, Shifley, and Josh Bailey. So, do you have any extra thoughts and who you want to make as your pick? Um, I'm looking through right now. I noticed Nate McKinnon was not on that list. Mm-hmm. That, to me, says, like, he should be – he seems like the really easy candidate. Um, just want to pull this up to make sure you did or did not say who I thought you said. Yeah, McKinnon's tied for 16th with Tarasenko and Ovechkin right now. Yeah, I think... Nah, let me... 
Sorry, I just need to check one more. Just need to check one more thing. Because I think Philip Forsberg is also an interesting play as yeah, well. He's, he's well, right behind those guys. Yeah. Um, Total-wise, Islanders-Blue Jackets is at six. Normally, everyone, the line is just starts at five and a half. Yeah, it's, I'm a little surprised at number six. Just, I mean, I know Columbus got killed the other day, but they're defensively so sound. I know the Islanders are the opposite, so I guess I think the Islanders are going to bring it out tonight. But if, assuming Bob starts, I kind of like that under. Yeah, so like the games that are not that are above five and a half. So the games that are at six, Penguins at Golden Knights, uh, Preds at Oilers, Panthers at Avalanche, and Islanders at Blue Jackets. Okay. So I um, I'm a little surprised Winnipeg Chicago isn't, but uh, yeah, yeah so am I. Really good, and and so is Halibut, but. I don't know. I mean, it is juice kind of heavy to the the over. It's you gotta lay a dollar thirty on over five and a half, but still a little bit surprised. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the night if that number is at six. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I would probably slam the shit out of the under on Calgary and San Jose. I like I like that under, and I, I like the the Sabers under quite a bit too. Yeah, Robin Leonard has been playing really well lately. He's also in goal tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, also, for you deep, uh, for sneaky waiver wire, Evan Rodriguez for the Sabres has actually looked really good, and he's getting meaningful minutes. Yeah, I actually and, up for Tuesday. I didn't do a normal daily notes. I just did a huge list for every team in the NHL of guys that I think are old and who are streamers and some added comments for where – I thought something was different or worth noting. And I included Rodriguez as a streamer for the Sabres. Uh, this was before he moved on to a line with Keenan Reinhardt. Just that, you know, he's getting the minutes he's playing while he's playing power play. I would strongly consider him, especially in a deep league, if he was available. And, you know, he didn't look too great on Tuesday while the Sabres won, but the opportunity is still going to be there and they need his speed. So he's definitely in play as a streamer. Yeah. I think, and also uh, Nemestikov for Tampa is always a sneaky, sneaky one because he's not in the top ten, but he plays with two guys that are tied for first right. in scoring. So obviously he could just stumble into three points casually. Oh man, I think I'm gonna go off the a little bit off the board. I'm gonna go Patrick Line here. Okay. Uh, I you know what? It's gonna happen at some point, and at home against Chicago. Chicago's not that great on the road. Winnipeg dominates at home. I love it. Yeah, okay. he's starting to pick it up a little bit, too. I mean, he's got 15 goals now in 31 games. I mean, he's basically on a 40-goal pace again after a very slow start. Very uh, slow start. I brought him up earlier. I'm going to go with Trocek. I just think he's playing great right now. And assuming they try to match up McKinnon with Barkoff and them, I think Trocek could potentially have a field day against whoever Colorado rules out on their second line against him. He's been playing over 22 minutes. I mean, Barkov and Trocek, they're getting 45 minutes combined a game. Now, a couple minutes of that overlap when they're on the power play, but this, this team, Boomer's rolling them big time. And we forgot to talk about Evgeny Danoff came back out of nowhere. It seemed like he was still a couple weeks away, and he played last game, and they left Rookshot. Uh, with Barkoff and Uberdo, put Dadden off with Trocek. I think that's going to help quite a bit, yes. too. So, like I said, I think they're going to try to match up McKinnon on Barkoff as much as they can. So that's going to leave, like, Tyson Jost and Comfort uh, against Trocek. And while I like those guys, it's it's just a tough spot. Trocek's playing so damn well right now that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him. So, I'll just say, make your picks at HockeyRSball.com. Uh, or you can even tweet them to us if you want. Uh, I'm at Resball Viz. Reed, you're at Reed Cash Seventeen with a K. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, not really. I'm just like, I'm just floored. Looking now, Nashville and Montreal are very serious about Evander Kane. Cool, so am I. But yeah. not gonna go trade for him. Like, it'll be interesting. I think that's probably the biggest name. If you own a Vander Kane, you have to be loving life. Points in five straight. 
Um, like if he, like I think it's not a matter of if, but when he gets moved. I mean, there's a chance they lock him up, but if they don't lock him up, they're definitely going to trade him. They can't let him go for for nothing. But yeah, I mean, he's the number 18 forward right now on the play rater, and that number's actually dragged down mostly because he's minus six. Like, 14 plus 14 with great pims and well over four shots a game. He's just been a monster. Yeah. But, yeah, that's it. Um... Yeah. All right. Then. I, I got nothing else. Okay. We'll, we'll be back uh, next week at some point, whether it's Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, hopefully you can enjoy some hockey, and we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Take care, everyone.